All right. Wow. I think uh, we're going to have more from Tim. Yes, we need to. <laughs> Amazing. That I was a it. really, really good. <laughs> the Fort Mac philosopher is here to stay for sure. Um, but now, uh, despite the fact that we've gotten a break from you and I just talking, and, and okay, there's that stupid joke. I can't drop it. You just bring it up. You just I can't. I can't get rid of it. All right. Well, let's let's <laughs> just skip over it right now. Stupid joke. Don't want to talk anymore. Uh, let's let's bring on some uh, some luminaries, some people who are uh, truly and amazingly intelligent people with their own opinions and viewpoints. Um, mm-hmm. To talk about some topics on panel today that we've previously mentioned. Uh, on panel today, we're going to bring in Yael Ososki. He's the host of the Liberty in Exile podcast at libertyinexile.com. He comes to us from Tampa, Florida, and is an investigative journalist. So, Yael, thank you very much for joining us on panel today. Well, it's a pleasure. The, the voice of liberty in Canada, at last. Fancy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we're not the only ones around, but uh, but I hope that we do a good job of what we're doing. Also, yes. Garrett Lafferty, he is a, a student in Calgary, Alberta. He is a student of political science and economics at Mount Royal University. So, Garrett, thank you also for coming on panel today. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. For sure. Awesome. So let's uh, let's get right into the meat and potatoes of this, so to speak. Um, if I can find my show notes, I'm sure they're there somewhere, and I'm not messing this up, honest. Um, okay, so. <laughs> uh, now, there, in Nova Scotia, uh, 15 people have been called before the Supreme Court for uh. ignoring jury duty. How could they ignore jury duty? My goodness. Now, a judge has told them that uh, jury duty is a privilege, and to shirk it is to shirk one's civic duty. Mm. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to know what you guys think. So, Garrett, I'm going to go to you first on this one when you think of jury duty do you think of a privilege uh that has been uh, shirked by these people who decided not to show up uh no i don't really see see it as a, a privilege so much but i do see it as an option you could um you could use it to uh protect the person if they were being wrongly accused and you knew they were being wrongly accused if there is some controversy around uh, their trial. That wasn't a very clear trial. Um, but uh, n- no, personally, if I uh, got the conditions that they were given, like they get $40 a day, what was it that? Uh, and <laughs> oh. they uh, get money for gas and money for parking. Well, <laughs> you also got to take time off work for that. You're not getting paid for work. So, That's true. I mean, it's not really a, a privilege. It's it's more do it or face consequences <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so, Yael, what do you think of uh, this this labeling jury duty as a privilege? How do you well, see the way, it? The way that we have it sort of set up is we have a tribal system, and in the tribal system, uh, sometimes people will do bad things, and if people do bad things uh, really in contravenance to the law of what the tribe has set, then they ask other tribe members to come and judge whether or not it was a bad thing and whether or not he should be sent off to jail. Should it be mandatory? Is it a privilege? I don't really think it's a privilege. I think the stigma around jury duty, especially in the U.S. and uh, certainly in Canada, is just that, you know, why do I have to go? It's lame. Most people, usually most of the time, when they get sent there, they, they'll get their $12 a day or however much it is and uh, free coffee, and they probably won't get chosen because they don't fit the stereotype. Mm. The entire jury selection process is just so <laughs> contrived that, you know, it's so arbitrary at the end of the day. It is, isn't it? I, I, that's what I've always thought, too, is why would I leave my occupation 
to go in. I guess the okay. The, Garrett some mentions behind there too. Sorry, there, would there be some contempt? Like I'm doing this because you know they say it's oh. f- that they, they say I'm doing it for my civic duty, but I'm losing money. You know what I mean? There could be that. Wasting I've also time. spoken to people that enjoy the idea of jury duty simply because they say I'd like to go in there and nail somebody. <laughs> so, so there's that too. But so Garrett, you mentioned the, the the potential protection aspect, and this is something I see from jury nullification advocates. Right? Is you know absolutely go into a juror's room, be you know take on that role of juror, and uh, try to nullify uh, convictions, that sort of thing. Right? If you see somebody that's engaged in a victimless crime, this is your chance to help free them from the system. Garrett, do you think that that's really a valid use of jury duty. I mean, because because I'm trying to get to this privilege label. Is that something like an opportunity where you really can help somebody? Do you think it's a it's a a good route for people to take? Yeah, I, I actually I really do. If it is a victimless crime, for sure, um, because you're. It, it depends if uh, if the person actually wants to be helped. But obviously, why the heck wouldn't they, right? But because. Uh, mm-hmm. Your life is pretty much in their hands. They'll go to jail or they won't. And you don't know who else with what other uh, bias is going to take your place if you do not accept. But if you know that you have a uh, good conscience towards these kind of things, then I don't see why not. Hmm. So you know, we ne- we've never explained jury nullification. This is the first time we've talked about it, I think. Have Ethan. we never talked about I, jury nullification on the show? I think this the is show? the first time, yeah. Really? Wow, I thought you know we're the type of people that want to be out in front of courthouses yes, with pamphlets. So, brief overview: jury nullification. Essentially, a jury can come back if you've got somebody who is technically uh, guilty of a crime, if we want to call it that. I hate that mm-hmm. phrasing, but if you have somebody that is guilty of a crime in a courtroom and you are on a jury, you can decide to have them uh, not found guilty. That is, you can nullify their charges. So, in other words, you're sitting down, let's say uh, you've got somebody in front of you, you're a juror, you've got somebody in the courtroom who's being, uh, who is going to be convicted of, uh, let's say, uh, selling cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So, you and I, Ed, I'm sure would uh, think that that's not a real crime, that is no. a contrived crime, a creation mm-hmm. of the state. Yep. And so, uh, you can, as a juror, say, well, I don't want to find that person guilty. I, I, I don't want to convict them of a crime. I don't want to send them to jail. And if you can convince your other jurors that, that yeah, we, we don't have to send this person to jail, because often judges will say, you have to consider the law. And this was used during the Prohibition era of alcohol. Was it? Very heavily. This was one of the main focuses of the uh, anti-Prohibitionists, what they were using in court to throw out charges of selling alcohol. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's being it's being used now in the United States. To I wouldn't I've never heard any cases. In I Canada. think those jurors were probably just drunk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Yael, let me come back to you here. In, in in regards to jury nullification, do you think that this makes it a privilege? I, I'm I'm just stuck on this privilege thing because I can't. I, I don't know. I think of the court system as arrogant and and you know it was a privilege to come before the court. How dare you shock your responsibility? Kiss my ring. Yes. Well, to, so, to go on on. Gary, Garrett's point, actually, I would say that it would, in some sense, be a a protective shield for a lot of citizens. If Mm -hmm. uh, you know that you were going to be charged by the state and they're going to put you in jail, at least if you have a commoner, a layman who can look at the situation from the outside and just be like, hey, why are you putting that guy in a cage? He can be your protection. So I think I don't I don't want to say it's a privilege again. I I don't want to say that, but I would say (laughs) that it would be important in that sense, just as a measure of protection 
from the the state and from the law, which most of the time, as we know, is pretty arbitrary. Absolutely, and that's where I, I guess I guess that's why I'm I'm mm-hmm. getting stuck on this kind of. It is such an arbitrary, arbitrary system, isn't it? It's. Oh, Hold looks on. like we lost our uh, Garrett. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Oh no, he's there back. He's back. Here we All go. Right. We're okay. Good stuff. Time <laughs> for editing, Ed. All right. So, <laughs> I think that's where it, it's just. It's something that strikes me as silly. It's 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 jury duty. Nobody wants jury duty. It, it's it's well, I shouldn't say well, nobody. Unless but, they pay them a bunch of money, maybe. Well, they yeah. I empty? mean, if they paid them real wages, maybe then people would be. Whatever. It just it's all a really ridiculous take, contrived take, system. Take the other side of the coin. If you had, uh, let's say, you had voluntary jury duty. Now, mm. who would be the types of people who would voluntarily go down to the courthouse every single day and judge the fate of his fellow man? It'd be these vindictive people who would do nothing but want to go down there and, like you were saying before, go and try to slam the guy, try to make everybody guilty, bring him all to jail. I find it hard to believe that a liberty activist or anybody who's freedom-loving would spend, would waste their time, actually, yeah. going to the courthouse every day. Hmm. So I guess would, would, uh, would liberty activists, would liberty-loving people then opt instead to try to just, what, change the government system, or are they focused on more high-level stuff? What do you think, y'all? Uh, well, at the, at the end, this is, you know, the cogs in the wheel. This is something very small that people can do, but it's just about how dedicated are you to doing it. I think the statistics prove that uh, most people, when they're, choos- when they're chosen for jury duty, most of the times there'll be a plea deal and they don't really don't get to do anything, mm. so it's a waste mm. of time. You know, we all think that we've been watching movies and we've been inundated with you know, <laughs> these tales for so many years, we think we're going to be right there at the murder conviction, 12 angry men. You know, but it's not normally like that at all. It's Like you were saying, it's small, tiny cases, uh, whether it be property crime or maybe small drug possession, just stuff like that. The right. prosecution rate in the United States is like 98% or something. <laughs> I guess crazy. Any any case that goes to the courts, they're going to win essentially just because they have such an iron-clad t- case and all the rest of the the uh, prosecutions come from people pleading. It's just a plea deal. Mm. They just okay. rack up all the charges. As much as I would like to continue yes. bashing the courts because it's so much fun, let's check this and out. Uh, Ed and I are big fans of unschooling. That is essentially removing uh, people from the school system entirely, letting them develop on their own. What a, a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we have Garrett here in university. And, uh, Yael, I assume that uh, you uh, went through some sort of uh, education. I mean, you certainly sound the sort that uh, has been properly educated. Um, but let's uh, let's go on with, uh, in in I guess right here in Saskatchewan uh, we're looking at standardized tests every single year oh for students um, and I tend to think of this as an awful sort of thing but that's just that's just me um, Yael when you see this idea standardized tests uh, for students in a much more rigorous fashion than may have been previously practiced so more standardized testing. Do you think what, what what comes to mind for you here? Well, I actually uh, very pertinent. I wrote an, an op-ed piece on the, my website watchdog.org where I work and do the daily grind called "Confessions of a Standardized Testing Survivor." Hmm. Um, I did uh, have my education in Canada, but I also did have education in North Carolina, here in the United States of America, and we had <laughs> standardized testing. Probably every six weeks. It was terrible. It was days and days of sharpened number two pencils and bubble sheets and all the same questions for everybody. I think at the whole, it's a very bad idea. It's just a way to try to fit everybody into the same block. 
And it really just does not create the types of incentives that are needed in teaching. A lot of my friends are teachers right now, and they're having to teach to the test, I think, which is a, a criticism brought up in the article. And I think it's a travesty for a lot of young people that they have to go through this. Absolutely. I would I would agree. So loaded question now uh, moves <laughs> to the voluntarist, uh, Garrett. Garrett, when you see this uh, standardized testing issue, what comes to mind for you? Um. I, in Alberta here, we uh, we have um, grade 12 standardized tests, uh, and I actually do not see that as an entirely bad thing, um, mm-hmm. because when when it's standardized, that people will know that uh, like what credentials like it's easier to it's easier to see where the person is coming from. But in all in all, I do not agree with like. Uh, government schools so i mean if people had the freedom of choice to go to these uh say in a voluntary society there was um different different schools and one school had a standardized test that was recognized worldwide you would obviously want to go to that uh go to that place so you could get into a better school or whatever you want to call it it's it's not for knowledge wise though for knowledge wise it's probably not the best way you could definitely learn more by yourself than an institution, but for people that need that, that whipping on their ass from the state, they they uh, to, they need standardized testing for uh, mm-hmm. uh, just accountability and things like that. You know, I you know I tend to disagree because I think that standardized tests. You know, it's the, the goal is tell me what your abilities are, right? The goal is mm-hmm. tell me what you're capable of. Uh, what can you do in mathematics? What can you do in science? Uh, what can you do in the English language, uh, the art of English language? So I think that's the goal of standardized tests. But uh, as as uh, Yael mentioned, teaching to the test is, a, is an anomaly that comes up in that educational system. Yeah, very system. stressful for the, for the teachers, too. Yeah, it's stressful for the teachers. I think it's also very stressful for the students. I think of my oldest, who's going through... That's right, uh, that's right. Right. Grade twelve education right now, and it's it's a test after test after rigorous test, um, and she's not really learning a lot. What she's doing is she's learning how to take tests, mm-hmm. and also she's getting really stressed out because these tests may not necessarily be uh, a a good uh, evaluation of her knowledge level. They are a very good evaluation of how well she's been taught to a test. So, in in a sense, what this creates, in my view, what I'm seeing here is uh, this uh, what's happening is is that my oldest daughter is becoming very stressed out she's trying to uh, show proof of work but she's not learning a lot she's mm. she's not coming away with a uh, a notable uh, sort of development of the of the nuances of, of the material she's being tested for she's coming away with uh, the mechanical side of, of how to express uh, certain points of knowledge. So I, it, it's it's very it's very frustrating to watch. Learning to learn how the system yeah, works yeah. now, but not really learning in a general sense, mm. right? Yeah. 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 So I think and also, I think to, and also to, to, to Ethan's point, I remember when we were learning the test, we would actually be told exactly how many questions we needed to have correct in order to have an A or a B or to pass. Mm-hmm. So the entire time you're taking this test, you have that in your mind. Well, I can't miss two. I just have to guess. I mean, it's it's a terrible situation that you're put in as a student. Well, this is this is why I become a big fan of unschooling because, to me, that testing Finland's, stuff. If you want to use the government model, Finland's model is pretty oh. cool. 
What, uh, what's tell me not, more? Was it, yeah, Finland. Mm-hmm. They have um, the teachers. There's no testing. It's essentially like the Montessori school where you have all the kids are all in one room and they get to explore and do different things. And there's no testing. And there's no pressure for testing. Uh, the teachers are are. Um, uh, they're paid. They, they, the, the teachers have to go through like multiple universities, get multiple degrees, mm. multiple in, in different types of child um, psychology, like child psychology degrees. Yeah. You know, th- if you want to go the government route, again, they're like well, top I, okay, in the world. Yeah, they're, they're, for that I'm, still, I'm still very, yeah, very I'm unsatisfied not, with no, that model. Though. I, to me, all of this is avoiding the natural state of learning. All of mm. this is avoiding uh, the, the notion that people really can develop. I think, look, we talked about this before, the fear of not becoming a jack-of-all-trades. So the the fear is you'll come out of school and you won't have the knowledge of algebra uh, that, <laughs> that you might need to access for a specific career, career path, whatever. Um, Yael, do you see that as a valid fear? Like, Am I coming at this from the right track? What do you think? No, I, I think you, you'd be correct in that aspect. But, you know, again... There is an is there an elementary base of knowledge that we all should know? I think most of us know people who graduated from university. Maybe they have multiple degrees, and they're probably the the last person you'd ever want to trust on the sinking <laughs> lifeboat of the Titanic. I mean, it, the, you can't really assume that there is a a rudimentary level of knowledge. So I don't really think we should have those expectations. I think we should allow people to have their different expertises and whatever they may be, and we trust different people in different situations and. I just I do not put my cards on the educational system to, to try to give everybody up to the same level. I just can't. Yeah. Garrett is a student in the system now, I guess yeah. in the post-secondary education system now. Uh, what else comes to mind here for you before we move on? Um, well, I, what comes to mind is that uh, I guess I never really thought about it this way, but uh, throughout the, my whole school career, it's always been kind of the same, you know, um, you do terrible during the year and then the teachers will always say, oh, well, you can always make your mark up right at the end. You can make it up right at the end in this last little test if you know how to, if you know how to just cheat the system and study real hard at the last end. But what you end up doing is just memorizing things for a day or two and then right. regurgitating it out on the page. And that's probably what I'm going to have to start thinking about doing because I'm not doing too well this term. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, that's okay. You're studying political science, so it's not like you're actually studying anything useful. Don't worry about it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness. That was terrible to me to say, wasn't it? Um, okay. Let's uh, let's take this out. Uh, we, we've, uh, we've talked on panel before here about uh, bad labor conditions overseas, but uh, it, that was China. So it's, you know, stereotypically yeah. known for this, right? But what about Germany, a labor what? friendly uh, jurisdiction we're told right uh, mm-hmm. I think actually I remember seeing a documentary about um, how Walmart's uh, distribution network and, and, and other uh, cogs in the Walmart machine over in Germany are, are unionized and they have this symbiotic <sighs> relationship it's all lovey-dovey people hug each other and well, I, but essentially um, Amazon has come under fire for uh, a scandal of sorts mm-hmm. uh, they mm-hmm. It seems that one of their distribution uh, centers there, where they've got, uh, I think, a, a few thousand employees or upwards of 10,000 employees, something like that. Um, or maybe that's across Germany. I can't remember. But anyway, they um, the terrible working conditions there in large part because of these neo-Nazi guards 
<laughs> so, so these <laughs> these people who uh, are, are essentially they're very militaristic. They uh, they seem to identify very strongly with neo Nazi fascism. Um, Hess it's, or something. Yeah, Hess security. I, I guess uh, that was supposed to be a uh, I can't remember uh, Rudolf Hess, uh, a, 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 a a sort of a an homage to Rudolf Hess, one of Hitler's deputies. Um, but I guess, okay, so I'm kind of curious as to what panel thinks about this, because one of the criticisms that uh, free market proponents face is, uh, look, if you yes. let these corporations run amok, they're mm -hmm. going to treat people like absolute and utter crap. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find a lot of, uh, uh, well, I... I, I I have a lot of objection to that, but uh, let's see what what we what we think of when we think about this situation. Um, Garrett, when you see this uh, uh, this scandal with Amazon in Germany, what comes to mind for you in regards to how large companies operate in the free market in respect to labor? Well, that would be saying that we have a free market right now, but. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I do see that as a issue for sure, like uh, them using their power um, too grossly and uh, make making people choose between poverty and work, right, and terrible working conditions. But it's still in my mind that uh, every interaction should be voluntary, so there shouldn't be really a standardized way of how you uh, how you. Uh, want to join into a uh, company and get employment, you should be able to work wherever the heck you want. But uh, also, you shouldn't have to do a base, um, base punishment for, uh, for not not obeying your master. So if you want to leave, leave, but you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't, uh, there's one story that, the, in part of that story, that the girl was being humiliated, like kicked out of wherever she was work, mm -hmm. uh, living because they were giving her uh, accommodations or whatever. And they, they shone their lights, uh, their, uh, their car lights into her hotel room, made her pack all of her things. And uh, they were all standing around her, all intimidating. Like, they shouldn't do that. If she wants to leave, they should make her leave peacefully and not, uh, not with guys in Hess. Hef shirts or whatever they're called, <laughs> neo Nazis, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's thought. it's weird because I think the, we're these are mainly immigrants, and uh, obviously there there's a lot more fear when you work in the government system when you work within the system, and you have uh, you have to comply to these laws, and you, if you if you don't, and if you complain, you're just going to get kicked out of the country, and you could possibly lose your livelihood because most immigrants are usually sending lots of money back home. Too mm -hmm. right because they come to the country because they come to this country or a country a more industrialized country because they can make a lot more money and send like half of it back home and that pays for like their whole family to live uh, a lot better than what they used to live before. So there's a big incentive for especially the, the immigrants and within the system to just go along to get along and to be seen as intimidating. It's kind of like the system is almost allowing the intimidation to happen. Well, Ed stole some of my thunder. Yael, let's see if you can steal the rest. <laughs> now, I guess I have to look at this story through the lens of where it's taking place. This is taking place in Germany, and I did study in, in Vienna, and I will be going back to Vienna here very soon, so I'll be mm -hmm. right in the midst of it. And it's being produced by ARD, which is one of the public broadcasters over there in Germany. So obviously this is connected to the government, so we do have to keep in mind. And in mm -hmm. Germany and in Austria, any sort of connection to so-called neo-Nazi groups or... 
uh, Nazi groups, anything like that, is just viewed with such suspicion, and it's actually illegal in public to make any sort of declaration or to be have carry any sort of insignia or have any flag. So I have no doubt this is probably a very politically charged documentary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one point that you know I think we haven't discussed before, and also. You know, just the the shoddy reporting. I'm reading through this, and I'm looking at the documentary itself, and it's using creepy and eerie music. <laughs> a lot of the reporting is talking about, you know, maybe this guy was wearing a T-shirt that was made by a company that apparently is worn by neo-Nazis. I mean, it's just <laughs> so many associations okay. that you can't – they're not verifiable. But to the broader point, a lot of these people are immigrants from other European countries, and in Germany, actually, they don't have a minimum wage. Normally, that stuff is actually dictated by the unions who make all the contracts. So I guess they don't have one or it's not very strong, whatever it may be. So this might be the work of, uh, you know, the other Amazon union. Maybe they, for some reason, cast off all the foreign workers to this particular distribution center. You know, that we don't really know. We don't know the union politics of it. I I, I hate for this to be used as a case to say, well, Amazon is connected to Nazis and they're just exploiting all these people. I I just don't think that's the case. It sounds sensationalized. It certainly does. Here's here's where I look at this with a skeptical eye, because, again, I want to come back to that assertion that, you know, the the idea here is if you let these big private companies run amok, they'll just treat people terribly. if if there is much of any truth to all of this, uh, that Amazon is employing a, a neo-Nazi security group to mm-hmm. police its workers, if there is any truth to this, we, we should probably start asking. And, uh, you know, we've said it before on the show. We can't blame everything on the government. And my response is you just watch me. Um, but, I mean, here's, here's, where, here's where this comes down, right? So Europe is not in the best of financial positions. Nope. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we can agree mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the cause of that is is bad monetary policy, bad governance. Um, it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a bad environment for finding lucrative work. So if you're in a position uh, like that, if if you're in in a region like that, and Germany is not the worst, it's not terrible, but it, uh, certainly Europe overall is not so great. Uh, lots of people would be trying to find those jurisdictions that are better to be employed in. Uh, so. As a result, you get a, a lot less in the way of choice because you go to a job and you figure, finally, I've got a job. I've got something that is giving me an income. And if you leave that job, well, the more restricted the market is outside of your mm-hmm. workplace, mm-hmm. the more difficult it will be to find a better position with which you will be more satisfied. So as it stands, these people who if, – if these working conditions are so terrible, I can think of the only reason – for they're not leaving and finding something better are, first off, limited choices caused by a bad economic environment, which is absolutely the fault of government. And secondly, yep. as you mentioned, Ed, you know, these temporary workers in many cases are forced to submit to credentialism, uh, monopolized mm-hmm. uh, 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 certification schemes. So, you know, you are a temporary worker and we have to approve your employment first, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. All of these sorts of uh, uh, unlevel playing fields cause people to have a reduction in the amount of choice they have. So yes, you know what? This company may be treating people badly, but if these people had greater choice outside mm-hmm. of their uh, current employment, I think that that sort of mm-hmm. creates a very real incentive to treat people better. Um, Garrett, any anything else come to mind after my little rant here? Uh, no, that, that pretty well sums up. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I, I hate to 
hate to uh, not have anything to say, but... <laughs> well, that's okay. I, I have nothing against people just saying they agree with me. That's all right. Uh, Yael, I'll, I'll fish for some more praise. What about you? Well, if you're looking for praise, my friend, you've come to the right place. <laughs> no, I, I think I get, to your point, it's, it's very true, and I think we just have to compare it to the worst immigration situ uh, situation in the world now, which I would argue is the United States. I'm in Florida where... You know, basically probably half the people here are, are undocumented immigrants and they're living beyond the system. They all have fake papers. And I've been in the position of hiring people that knowingly had fake papers. I didn't really care. I thought that this guy, if he wants to get a job and he wants to work and he's willing to come here and ask me for it, then, yeah, I think he deserves it much more than those other people who are sitting at home and collecting welfare and not even going out. So mm -hmm. I think uh, mm -hmm. we have to find a way to accommodate the people who come to this this country or any country in the world because uh you know we're not all permanently bound to the lands upon which we are born and i think that goes for everyone and we should have that freedom to move sure no i i, I think that's a good way mm -hmm. to round things out for Excellent. panel today are you are you yeah, got to say anything i got nothing to say you got nothing to say it's <laughs> all me today at the, at the end of panel <laughs> <laughs> you know of, of course uh, channeled through yale that that fantastic voice okay i'm going to <laughs> I take way too much credit. <laughs> All right. So it's been a fantastic thing. to get. Uh, it's been a fantastic experience to have you guys both on panel. It's been a lot of fun. So, Yael, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Ed and Ethan, and you guys just keep on keeping on. It's a great show. We absolutely will. And, Garrett, thank you also for, uh, for joining us today as, as well. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. So as we move on, we're going to... Uh, oh, uh, my. Yes, okay. So, Ed, Whoa, I'm going to get yeah. the smelling salts out for you. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to talk to Tom Woods. Now, oh. this is a man who needs no introduction. We'll give him one anyway when we uh, when we get into our next segment here. But uh, History abounds. Yeah. Indeed. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're moving on to talk to Tom Woods. Uh, so continue listening. This is Ed and Ethan. Visit libertynexile.com.